Good afternoon and welcome to Revelation Bible Study. It is chapter 22, so if nothing happens, this will be the last Thursday Revelation Bible Study. Unless, uh, you know, you, you want to watch it again, you're welcome to do that. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your many blessings upon our life, Lord, for allowing us the opportunity once again to come into your house to worship, to praise, and to honor your name. Lord, we ask that you'll move, that you'll touch, Lord, that you'll anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive, Lord, that you'll anoint my lips to as I endeavor to bring forth your message. And we ask this in Jesus' sweet and holy name we pray. Amen. And before we get really getting started, I'm going to put my phone on Do Not Disturb because it's about time that that phone will start ringing. But anyway, chapter 22, verse 1. And he showed me a pure river, water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Now, when Jesus met the woman at the well, he spoke of living water. In John 4 and 10, he says, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The living water flows from the throne of God, and anyone who drinks from it will never thirst again for the things of God, or will never thirst again, period, uh, spiritually speaking. But we we talk about the river of or the water, the river of life, and here is where it comes from. We see it flowing from the throne of God. Verse 2, in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life which bare twelve manners of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now the complete Jewish Bible translates this as between the street and the river of life is the tree of life. Instead of in the midst of the street of it, on either side of the river was there the tree of life, the Jewish Bible Translated as the tree of life is between the street, the golden street, and the river of life. Makes a little bit more sense, I think, in, in my opinion. But this is an incredibly special tree. Once a month, this tree produces a different fruit. Even though the Bible does not talk about the fruit being able to be eaten as it ripens, there would be no need to have a fruit and not be able to eat it. In the Garden of Eden, there was only one tree that Adam and Eve and Adam and Eve was forbidden to eat, and that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Genesis 2 and 17, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. That's the only tree that we were not supposed to eat of. We could eat from every other tree, including the tree of life that was in the garden. But this one was particular, it wasn't supposed to be eaten of. Now, a good friend of mine one time told me, he said, well, God set Adam and Eve up for failure. And I said, well, how do you figure? He said, well, he put that tree there. He knew they'd eat of it. I said, well, has your daughter or son ever been burned by a hot stove? And he went, well, yeah. So you set your children up to be burned. Well, no. Oh, I see what you're saying. God didn't set us up for failure. He gave us every opportunity not to fail. And because, well, we're stupid, we fail. And it's the same for us today. He gives us every opportunity not to fail, but yet we do a lot. But this tree, it has manner of fruit and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves for the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, why are the leaves for the healing of the nations? Since there will be no sickness or diseases in the new earth, why would the nations need healing? Another way of looking at this verse, the leaves will be used to contribute to the health of the nations. It's going to be our supplement. It'll be our vitamin, if you will. The word used in the original scripture is healing Therapium, which our word therapeutic comes from. The leaves and the fruit will be part of the routine to keep us healthy. Even in the new earth, there will be a need to eat 
and the fruit and the leaves will be a part of the diet. Because there'll be bodies of flesh there they will have to eat. And I'll leave you with, I'll have you with this thought. Where's Enoch and Elijah at? Enoch was never died. He said he, he was taken by God. And Elijah was taken in the chariot of fire. So they never died. Where are they at? They are in a body of flesh still. So they're eating someplace. We just don't know where. Just a little thought. That one's a freebie. You don't have to pay me for that one. Verse three. There shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. I'm looking forward to being a servant. I really am. But what's this curse he's talking about? There shall be no more curse. And there will be no curse, but what is the curse? In Genesis 3 and 17, we read of the curse. And unto Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, in sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. That's the original curse. And that curse still exists to this day. Now, it was completed, it was lifted, it was finished on the cross of Calvary. But it's still a part of our day-to-day. -day. We, we can't just walk out, throw you know, seeds on the ground and something grow. The curse is still there, it's just been lifted, and it will be completely taken away in this day when Christ comes back and sets up his kingdom and God sets up his kingdom. That The, the cross is when the curse was broken, the curse is lifted for good when new earth is established. The new earth is established when God in his throne and Jesus in his throne is set up on earth. 40 and 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. The servants shall serve him. We will not get tired of serving God. For they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Verse 4, and they shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. The inhabitants of new earth will be able to look on God and not die. Exodus 33 and 20, and he said, thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. Revelation 2 and 17, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, will I give to eat of the hidden manna and will give him a white stone and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saveth he that receiveth it. Revelation 3 and 12, him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God and he shall go no more out and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God and I will write upon him my new name. Revelation 7 and 3, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our gods in their foreheads. Revelation 14 and 1 says, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him an hundred and forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. We talked at great lengths a few weeks ago about this, the mark of the beast. 666, being the mark of a man, and how that'll either be on your hand or your forehead. That's a counterfeit to what God wants to do for us when he wants to put his name, he wants to seal us with his name, and he'll have it on our foreheads. He will have it marked on our foreheads, and, that, and that's a reference back to even the, the high priest having the phylacteries, which was the commandments of God, in a little leather box, and they would attach it with strings or leather straps to their forehead. That's a, that is a reference when they was talking about having the high priest back in the temple with the phylacteries on their hand or the phylacteries on their forehead. That is a clear indication that we will have God's name. We will be sealed by God with his name on our foreheads or in our minds, if you will. So we will be sealed by God. We will be marked by God. It's not the mark of the beast. 
That's the counterfeit. Everything that God does for real, Satan has a counterfeit for. Now, Satan's been destroyed by this time, and he's been cast into the lake of fire, and all of that's done away with, and we will be able to go in and see God face to face. Now, how awesome will that be? Nobody else can do that. No human will, is able to do that until now, until new heaven, new earth. We'll be able to walk in and we'll be able to look at God the Father and see him as God the Father. Well, wasn't it Moses that was allowed to see his hinder parts? The backside. Yeah. The back of his head. Back of his head. He cleft a rock. Moses hit his face in the, in the crack in the rock and God even put his hand up so that Moses couldn't look. And as he walked by, he took his hand down and Moses did peep. Peek and he saw the backside of God. And his face shone so bright that he had to wear a veil from then on. He glowed. And no, it wasn't from radioactive. I actually heard that one time on a, on a show. That, that Moses had been exposed to radioactivity, and that's the reason why he glowed. And I'm like, give me a credit. I'll give me a break, people. If he'd have been exposed to that much radioactivity, you know it more than I do. You understand it better than I ever will. He'd have died. It's ridiculous. And, and a lot of people, oh, well, the Ark of the Covenant's radioactive. Oh, give me a break. Just give me a break. So we'll be able to see God. We'll be able to look on him. And let me tell you, I'm looking forward to that day because I have a huge imagination. I have imagined what heavens look like. I, I imagine what Jesus looked like. I imagine what God looks like. And none of my imagination is going to be right. It's going to be so much better than what even I can imagine. And my brother can testify that I had a, a huge imagination when I was a child. I had uh, multiple invisible friends, imaginary friends, and the and the number one was named friend. I had a great imagination, but not for names. I, I had imaginary friends, but didn't have names. I had forgot about that. Verse five, and there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. The Shekinah glory of God will light up the city and there will be no need for artificial light. Candles, flashlight, electricity, gas, manufactured contrivance will not be needed. We will have the pure light of God to see by and to live in. Now, remember that New Jerusalem comes down and John describes it as gemstones. He describes it as jasper. Clear jasper. He describes it as, as a beautiful, shining object. Now, when God sits down and you put a candle in a room full of mirrors, every time that that mirror refracts or, or catches and reflects that light back, it gets a little brighter. Mm -hmm. So I can only imagine the glow of God is bright. It's huge. But now he's in this really shiny, for a lack of a better term, a really shiny area and it's just being magnified. So there's no reason for us to need a son because his Shekinah glory, his, his grace, his glory, his, his very presence is going to light up that city. And it's just going to reflect and refract all over the place. And it's just going to be amazing to see. And I, I can see it in my mind's eye, but again, my imagination is not big enough. I cannot, I'm not getting it close. I can't, there's not words to describe how beautiful this place is going to be. And he said unto me, these sayings are faithful in verse six and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the thing which must shortly be done. The book of Revelation is a self-revealing prophetic book for a lot of the prophecies. And God will not have his children ignorant for what is to come. He prefers to let us know as much as we can know and as much as we need to know. As we grow and mature in the knowledge of the Lord, we will learn deeper meanings of the scriptures. When you're a child in the Lord, when you've just come to know the, the Lord today, when you read Psalms 23, for instance, 
you'll get a different meaning out of Psalms 23 than someone or that you will get if you walk with the Lord a month or if you walk with the Lord a year or if you walk with the Lord 20 years. It gets deeper and it gets more precious and, and you dig and you, and you can, you can see these things. I've read the scriptures multiple times and every time I read them, I get something new out of it. And I'm just, I am just amazed at, at how the Bible is written. It's, it's not a textbook. Textbooks are written. You learn the facts and those facts don't change until the next version of that textbook is written. Sometimes those, those facts never change. Two plus two is four. Doesn't care. Even in common core, I don't care about common core math. Two plus two is always going to be four. But Genesis one and one means so much more to me now than it did 37 years ago. And if Lord tarries and lets me live another 20 years, 30 years, 40, it will even be bigger and better then than it is now if I continue to stay in God's word. So his word, his book of Revelation is a self-revealing prophetic book where it needs to be. And as you read it and as you study it, he will reveal more and more. And as we get closer to the end days, he will reveal more and more. You study Revelation so you understand when it happens. It's not to know exactly, oh, well, on July the 21st of 2026. No, it's not that kind of a, a prophetic book. It's so that when you see these things happening, you can say, oh, wow, we're getting close. And if you truly see them happening, there should be an urgency for us to go and tell our friends and our family, our loved ones and the strangers on the street, look, it's happening. It's coming. One of my favorite songs is the king is coming. The king is coming. And it's up to me to tell the people around me that the king is coming. Because we don't want to miss the king coming. That can be detrimental to, to your uh, eternity. Verse 7. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. This is one of the blessings or beatitudes of, of Revelation, which we studied way back 33 weeks ago. Um, it is true that he has delayed his coming. But when the tribulation begins, Christ will make a quick end to his second coming. The tribulation ends with Christ setting up his kingdom for a thousand years. And when he comes, he quickly will set up his kingdom. These things, Matthew 24, we studied this again the very first night. Matthew 24 says, for you've heard of wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes in diverse places. Guys, we're having earthquakes all over the place. We're having wars and rumors of wars. If you've not been, you know, paying attention, by the way, there is a war going on right now in Ukraine. There are other wars happening. Israel is, is gearing up, if you will. They know that something is going on. Now, I'm going to say something that may sound foolish. But just in the news this week alone, I read an article about the uptick, if you will, of the sightings of UFOs. And you go, wait, we're studying Revelation, you're getting out there in this weird... Now, hear what I'm about to say and follow and try to follow along because I'm not very good at describing or explaining what I mean, but 15, 20 years ago, I read that the New Age movement, those individuals that like to look at the crystals. Now, I like crystals, don't get me wrong. I'm not... I'm not using them for energy. I just like the looks of them. I think they're beautiful. But those individuals that use this, these crystals for healing and stuff, the new age movement, their belief is that when time is over, UFOs will come and take all the non-believers away. 
Now that sounds foolish, but who are the non-believers to the new age movement? Those are us Christians, by the way. Satan is getting his people and all of these fractions of, of new age and all these other factions of weird religions that are out there are getting ready for a single event. And that's the rapture. We're going to poof, vanish. I don't care who you are, there is going to be a rapture take place. In the twinkling, in the moment of an eye, we will be changed. We won't be here. One man will, two men will be in the bed, one will be taken, one will be left. Two men in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. Taken where? Left where? Left in the field, taken from the field. I have a good friend that believes that that is judgment that he's talking about. And in a way, he's right. It is judgment. Because we're ready to go. We're being judged. We're out of here. But the New Age movement says that UFOs are going to take away all of the non-believers. They're getting ready for the confusion that's going to take place on earth when the rapture takes place. And just this week, there has been a multitude of new UFO sightings. Now, I'm not saying UFOs are going to take us up. But what I'm saying is they're going to use that as their reasoning for the reason why we are no longer here. We're going to go up in what they think is a UFO. I'm going to go up in the air and meet Christ. That's where I'm going if I survive till the rapture takes place. If not, I will go to the grave and then I'm going to come out of the grave and meet Jesus in the air. But they're they're already getting in place an excuse for why some of us are no longer involved with the earth. I'm going to say something. I'm not trying to say I know anything, but don't you wish that the Christians today had a stronger belief in what they should believe yeah. in being Christian. Mm-hmm. As as you say, the New Age movement or the Jehovah. sinners, the, the Jehovah Witness. falling away or whatever, you, however you want to put it. They believe 99%, but they believe that 99%, 100% of their being. They, they think there is nothing else they're thinking. We should believe that. As well. We should believe our scriptures if we as well. It, if we believed it is strong. The country is going the way the country is going because the churches went the way the churches went. Yeah. And the churches went the way the churches went because of the way the congregation has went. Yeah. And congregation has went because the families has went. Yeah. We kicked God out of our society. Verse 8, and I saw, and I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. John saw and heard what he had written down regarding the vision that he had experienced. He is firsthand of, or an eyewitness to the events regarding the tribulation in the end times. He then fell to worship the angel who had shown him and talked to him. This is the angel that he was talking to recently. So now John has gotten out of himself, if you will, because John the Revelator knew, but he falls down to worship the angel. Verse 9, Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of the book. Worship God. The angel stops John from worshiping him. Throughout the scriptures, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, when you see what is described as an angel, especially in the Old Testament, when you see what is described as an angel, and that individual, that angel allows you to worship him, it's Jesus. What we know is Jesus, but before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Because he's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. If the angel stops him, then it's just an angel. angel. Now you, you're going, well, where did this come into play? Well, Abraham on the plains of Mamre. The three men comes walking up. He 
fixes some, kills the fatted calf. He goes and gets them all kinds of stuff. But it says he worshipped one of them. That was Jesus incarnate in the flesh before he was born as a babe in Bethlehem. How's that work? Because he's God. He's before and after. He's going to be everywhere. He's always. So that's a good indication when you're reading the scriptures, if you didn't know that, if the angel allows you to worship them or allows the, the individual in the scriptures to worship them, then it's, he's talking to God. He's talking to Jesus. I'm going to interject one more time. I'm not trying to add to or take away, believe me. But if you could understand God, you wouldn't need no. God. Yeah. And there is, his ways are higher than our ways. Yes. His thoughts are not our thoughts, thank God. Can you imagine what it would be like if man was in charge? Oh, my. Oh my I, I think about what it would be like if I were in charge. There'd be a whole lot less people on this earth, I can assure you of that. And, and let me tell you, Interstate I-40 would be empty whenever I got on it. Nobody would be on my 40 but me. You could go whatever way you want. I, would, I could go as fast as I want to go. So thank God, God's in charge. Verse 10, And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of the book, for the time is at hand. Do not seal up this book. Do not put it on the bookshelf. You have got to use this book. You've got to send this book. Remember, this is letters to the seven churches. It started out as letters to the seven churches. And then it went into the vision that John saw. So don't seal this up. Let people see it. Let people read it. Discuss it. The first chapter says that he who reads or he who hears the words of this book will be blessed. It's the only book in the Bible that I know of that has that blessing written out. All of them are there. It's, you know, it's known. It's comprehended. But it literally says, if you hear the book, if you hear the words of this book, you will be blessed. So everybody that's paid attention and has been with us for the last 33 weeks, y'all are going to get a blessing. Not because of who I am and not because of what I've done, but because you've heard the word of the book and the book says you'll get a blessing. And you know what? We've got our blessing because we get to hear God speak. Not Robert's voice. Well, it's Robert's voice, but it's God's words. And I'm not putting myself up on a pedestal. Remember, I want to be that servant over here that they talk about in verse 3. The angel tells John not to seal the book of Revelation or to hide it away for the time to learn from it is in John's time as well as our time. And if we pass away, it'll be time for the next generation to hear it and study it and read it and understand it. And if they pass away, then it's the next generation until Christ himself comes back however long that is in the future. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. A person will be exactly as a person is. Those that are playing the game will continue to play the game. But those that are genuine will be genuine. Christ is not fooled and will separate those that are true Christians from those that are not Christian. And I believe we have went through a slight separation in the last three years. I believe the pandemic 2020, 2021, and 2022 has separated some from the others. Not completely, but I believe he's starting to make his separation. I believe he's shaking and the wheat is going one direction and the chaff is flying away. I believe the goats are going one direction and the sheep are going in another. I believe he has started separating the wheat from the chaff. I believe that he started separating the true Christians from the not true Christians. From those that are playing the games to those that are truly, truly genuine Christians. Look at your churches. How many people are still going to church after the pandemic? And how many people? Now, I'm not saying those that are <laughs> sick. They, If you're sick, stay at home. <laughs> Don't bring it to your church. 
It's not what I'm saying. But there's a lot of people in a lot of churches that just don't have time for church anymore. They're not, they're not putting in the effort. They're not putting up the, the, the getting up out of bed. Oh, I'll do it later. I believe it was designed to separate us. And I believe that there is more separation to come. Just this week, they were talking about another pandemic. One worse than what we went through. And everybody says, oh, well, they're planning it. They're predicting it. They're, there'll be more pandemics. There'll be more plagues. There'll be more pestilence. There'll be, because that's what the scriptures tells us. This is not them. And, and maybe they are orchestrating it. I don't know. But we know that the Bible tells us this is going to happen. So we're living it. It's in our day. If you're a Christian, you should be excited. If you're not a Christian, you should be scared. This is an exciting time. We are living in the most exciting times of history. We're seeing it play out in our very eyes. And we get to be a part of it. That's beautiful to me. Verse 12, and behold, I come quickly. And my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Christ is the authority and will come and reward all for the faith that each of us has in him. The reward is immediate. And he will give the rewards to the ones that he judges worthy to get the rewards. But wait a minute. The scripture tells us that it's not by works lest any man should boast. But it also tells us to show me your faith by your works. I am a Christian. Try to live a Christian life. And because I try to live a Christian life, it's not, I'm not obligated to be nice to people. I'm not obligated to help people. I'm not obligated to do good. I want to help people. I want to be nice to people. And I want to do good. I'm not obligated to do it. I can be a, a holy terror. And I have been. For those of you that know me, I mean, seriously, we've all been there. We've all done it. But we, it's not our, I once said it was my duty to be nice, but it's not my duty. It's what I should do. It's what I want to do. I'm not obligated to do it. And because I'm a Christian and because I want to do it, those are the works. But I shouldn't be being nice to get the rewards. I should be nice because well, that's what God wants me to be. The rewards are second. I get to go to heaven. That's the greatest reward ever. What will my crown look like? I don't know. But I know I get to go to heaven. I'm there. Yahoo. That's awesome. If I continue with God, I will get to go to heaven. We'll talk about that in a second. Verse 13. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Jesus again describes himself as the Alpha and Omega. He first introduced himself this way all the way back in chapter 1. Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. Interestingly, the Greek letter for Alpha looks somewhat like a fish. It shows that Jesus spans the entirety. He is eternal. He tells us also in other verses, like verses, uh, Revelation 21 and 6. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He goes from A. We would say it goes from A to Z. Well, I've done everything at the work today from A to Z. Usually we exaggerate on that. We usually stop around somewhere for P and Q. But that's another story. I don't but get that part. He, he describes himself as the first and the last. He was here before and he will be here long after. 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. If you want to see God face to face, do his commandments. Accept what he done for us on the cross of Calvary and do his commandments. You, The world will know you are disciples of mine 
if you will do what I've told you to do. If the individual does what they are supposed to do and accepts the cross of Calvary and his sacrifice, we have the right to the tree of life and we get to access New Jerusalem. We get to walk physically into the throne room of God. Now, we are not going to go into the throne room of God flippantly. Hey, yo, dude. No, that's not going to be the way we're going to be doing it. I don't care who you think you are. You're going to go in with very reverence and you're going to go in humbly because you know you're not supposed to be there. It is only by the grace of God that we get to go in. It is only by the grace of God that we get to go to God in prayer. He doesn't have to do that for us. He does not have to listen to us. But he does because he's God. But because he's God, he doesn't have to. It is what Christ did on the cross of Calvary that gives us that right. Verse 15, for without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Non-Christians are not welcome and will not be allowed to enter into the new city, the new heaven, the new earth, or anywheres beyond tribulation other than the lake of fire. If they make it through the tribulation, their end result is the lake of fire. If they don't make it through tribulation, their end result is the lake of fire. If they don't even make it to tribulation, ultimately their end result is the lake of fire. That's your end result if you're not a Christian. If you are a Christian, your end result is life, the city, new heaven, new earth. I had an individual ask me one time, so will, will we have cars in the new earth? I said, why would we need one? We'll be able to think it and go there. Teleportation will be possible. Look it up. Philip was teleported. He got up on the chariot, and after he and the, the centurion, the Enoch, Enoch uh, found the water and he was baptized, it says that the centurion didn't see Philip no more, and immediately he was in another city. He was teleported to another city. So teleportation is possible in the new earth and new heaven. Awesome! <laughs> but still, my imagination is not good enough. I cannot describe heaven. There's no way. 16. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Jesus is the one who sent the angel to John to deliver the vision to John for him to write it down and send it to the churches. He is the morning star. He is the bright and morning star. He is the new day. Everything, you know, when you wake up, it's like that old joke I heard one time. This guy says, you know, Lord, I haven't sinned all day. I haven't been angry all day. I've not bad-mouthed anybody. But I'm about to get out of this bed, Lord. I need help. When you wake up in the morning, you have a fresh day in front of you. You have a new day. The slate is clean. You get to ride on it what you want. He is the bright and morning star. He is the new day. With him, all things are possible. And the Spirit... 17, and the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that athirst, come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For all that has accepted Christ and the cross of Calvary, and those that will accept the ultimate sacrifice will be able to go to the new heaven and the new earth. But more importantly, they'll get to go see God in person. And that is more important to me than the new heaven and the new earth. I get to see God. I've only read about him. I get to meet him. You know, there's people in this world that you would love to meet. My brother and I, have been, we've been talking about it the last couple of weeks. Oh, I'd like to meet this guy. I'd like to meet this guy. I'd like to sit down and talk to this guy. I want to meet God face to face. I want to be that individual that can walk in to the throne room of God and say, thank you in person. 
18, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. Deuteronomy 4 and 2 says, Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Think about it. The original laws of God was ten commandments. Ten. They covered everything. They covered your relationship with God. They covered your relationship with your family and your neighbors. And they never had to be amended. And they never had to be amended. But yet, how many laws do we have on our books now? Oh my. Because we couldn't keep ten. Now we got two billion. Can't keep up with one. And this one that was enacted today, wherever, from wherever, negated the one that come before. Yeah. It's ridiculous. But we, we had ten commandments. To love God. To love our family and our, and our friends. And our neighbors. We can't keep up with ten commandments. So if you add to, and I'm not saying that laws are wrong. Don't take what I'm saying wrong. It's not that it, but you can't add to the Bible. It's complete. There's nothing more to be done. When Christ said it is finished on the cross of Calvary, guess what? It's finished. Everything we, everything we do is a counterfeit. Yeah. Nothing else needs to be done. He done it all for us. Deuteronomy 12 and 32. What things soever I command you, observe to do it. Thou shalt not add thereto, nor diminish from it. Proverbs 30 and 6. And thou not, add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Well, in the Bible it says, careful when you go there. Know what the Bible says. You don't have to memorize it word for word. But now Lynn and I used to know an individual that did have it completely, totally memorized. In both English and Hebrew wow. and Greek. Wow. And he was an amazing individual. He's passed away now. But when he went to preach, he would lay his Bible down and he would open it up. Today's sermon's going to be from... And then he stepped in front of the podium and that's where he stayed. He never went back. Reverend Gassaway. Never went back. Reverend Tim Hill. I saw him do the same thing. He's a general, he's a general overseer of the Church of God. He's out of Cleveland. And I heard him when he was younger preach and he preached about the, the, the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit was throughout the Bible. And he started in Genesis. And he stepped around the podium. He took a breath at Malachi. And he finished in Revelation. Amazing sermon. Wished I had a copy of it. It was amazing. So there are people that can do it. I'm not saying you have to do it. But you can do it. Oh, that's impossible. How many songs do we know all the words to? That's a book of the Bible. If you know a lot of songs, that's a book of the Bible. It's the same equivalent, I'll put it that way. So we don't have to know it, but know about it. Know at least when somebody says, well, you know, the Bible says. No, no, it doesn't, brother. Actually, it does not. There is one misconception, and I'll go here real quickly, and then we'll finish up the book of Revelation. There is a misconception in the world that says that in the end times, you will not know summer from winter and spring and fall. That's not what the Bible says. You will always know spring and summer and winter and fall. Genesis tells us that. You'll always know the season. But a misconception in the world today says, oh, well, it's going to get so that you don't know nothing. It's just going to be one season. No, that's not what the Bible says. And even though we live in North Carolina, we have four seasons, usually in the first, all in the same day, but we have four seasons. First, if someone knowingly adds to the words of the Bible, then the plagues will be added to that individual. Knowingly, that's the key word here. I cannot stand up here and say, well, the Bible says this, but what it really means is, that's not what we're supposed to do in Bible study. We're not adding to we're trying to decipher, trying to translate, trying to discern 
what he's actually talking about in today's vernacular. But, you know, you can, you can add to the Bible, but if you're doing it knowingly, the, the law calls it willingly. If you look in any regulation, if you willingly break these regulations, you're in criminal space. Now, if you unknowingly break them, then you're just in the civil space and you, you might get a slap on the wrist. But if you willingly break the regulations, you could get a fine. You could go to prison. Well, it goes back to Adam and Eve again. Mm -hmm. They only had the one, one tree, one thing that they could not do was not allowed, and they done it anyway. Now, verse nineteen is somewhat controversial, if you will. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, so if you add to from verse eighteen, you're going to have the plagues. But if you take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in the book. Take away his part out of the book of life. If you take willingly take stuff out of the Bible. I've known of people, I don't know them personally, I have heard of people, well, I don't like that verse, and they'll rip the Bible and tear it and throw it away. Well, I don't like that verse. They throw that part away. That's willingly taking stuff out of the Bible. What does it say? He'll take your part out of the book of life. What does that mean? You're you're gone. <laughs> if anyone knowingly removes or takes anything out of the book, their name will be taken out of the Lamb's book of life. I don't want to rock your world too much, but you can lose your salvation. If your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you're saved. You're a Christian. If it's stricken from the Lamb's Book of Life, you are no longer saved. You can lose your salvation. It's not a an immediate process, okay? It's a it's a long, drawn-out process. You don't go out here, stump your toes, say a bad word, God strike your name out of the Lamb's Book of Life. That's not the way he works. But now, if you go and you start, we'll use drugs. Let's say you're a teacher. Let's say you're a Sunday school teacher. I'll just use me as an example. I go out here and I start drinking and shooting up drugs. And I start having an affair with my wife, and she doesn't kill me. And I continue down that path without ever going back and asking forgiveness from God. Eventually, God is going to what? He's going to turn me over to a reprobate mind, and he's going to leave me alone. And it doesn't say God may or he might. It says he, he shall. Will. He and will. God shall. So it's not, I'm, I'm going to lose my salvation if I slip up and say a bad word. No, that's not it. It's the lifestyle. It's a, a, I'm living this style and I'm continuing to live and I'm continuing to live and I'm continuing to live and I'm never going back and asking God to forgive me. That's what that means. So don't get it in your head that I'm saying, oh, well, you mess up one time. No, that's not the way God works. Is that the way your father worked? My dad didn't do that. Now, some dads may. Don't you shut up. My dad didn't. If I knew the rules, then it was immediate. If I didn't know the rules, he explained the rules to me. This is what I expect. This is what you're doing. This is what you're going to do, get if you don't stop doing what you're doing. And he gave it to you. Okay. Thanks, Dad. Appreciate it. But that's the way our Heavenly Father works. Okay, so apparently you don't understand the rules, Rob. So here's the rules. You're, you're having an affair on your wife. You're doing drugs. You're doing drunk drinking. You're fooling around. You're doing all these things. That's not what I want you to do, boy. Now, if you don't straighten up, I'm going to have to get on to you. That's Heavenly Father. No, that's not adding to. That's just putting it into, in Robert language. For your name to be in the Lamb's Book of Life, you have to be, you have to have accepted the cross of Calvary. So this verse is a reference to Christians that knowingly remove scriptures to deceive others or live a lifestyle of sin. For their pay or wages, their names will be removed from the Lamb's Book of Life. That's what that verse means. That's what that verse says. 
I'm not making it up. It's clear to me. If any man shall take away from the words of this book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the lamp, uh, out of the book of life. I think that's pretty clear. Verse 20. He that he which testifieth these things saith, surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Christ tells John and all of us that he is coming quickly. John then says, amen, for Christ to come quickly. Let it be so. Christ is the one that testifies, surely I come quickly. John says, let it be. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So it. <clears throat> that's the book of Revelation. 33 weeks. That's the book of Revelation. And we need to study the other 65 books. As deep as we've studied Revelation. Because it's important for us to know what thus saith the Lord. What happens if our government topples and we get a communist or we get a socialist or we get somebody? They're already telling us the Bible is an evil book because it's full of hatred. It's full of this. It's full of that. And they take away our Bibles. If you have not put it in your heart, if you've not hid it away, then you'll be subject to fall. So we need to study it so we will. That's what he means when he says, hide my word in your heart so that when the time comes, we'll know right from wrong. Any questions, comments? Barbara Evans is watching tonight. And she's got a pinched nerve in her back, so we need to pray for her. Uh, Barbara is a good friend of ours um, from Tennessee, my brother and I. And Miss Barbara, my brother's here with me. Can you believe it? He finally got out of the mountains. Uh, the hillbilly has come to the valley. Uh, <laughs> he's come down from the hills. <laughs> I have to pick on you a little bit, Rick. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your many blessings upon our life, Lord, for allowing us the opportunity once again to come into your house to worship, to praise, and to honor your name. Lord, we thank you for this study. We thank you, Lord, for enlightening our eyes of understanding, Lord, for, for Lord, leading us and directing us and guiding us throughout this study, Lord. And we ask that you'll continue to move on each and every heart, each and every life. Lord, I ask that you'll touch Miss Barbara, Lord, that you'll heal her body at this time. Lord, you said by your stripes we are healed. Lord, we stand and we believe on that scripture, God. And we ask this in Jesus' sweet and holy name we pray. Amen. No more. No more Bible study. No more Revelation Bible study. Lord leads me to do something else. I'll let you know. But right now, Thursday nights is free. I'm going to let you go back to the uh, program already at hand. Called your life.